A few weeks ago, I was checking out of Publix when the young woman working the register noticed the bracelet that I was wearing. She glanced up at me, and before I knew it, she said, Wow, I like your bracelet. What kind of stones do they have? I looked up at her, a bit surprised, and I said, Well, I'm not really sure what kind of stones they are, but they're mint to look like skulls. Now, after I'd realized what I said, I could almost see her beginning to think about skulls and wonder if this middle-aged man wearing skulls around his wrist and standing behind the plexiglass of her checkout line might be a secret fan of Norwegian death heavy metal rock music or maybe some kind of dark Halloween horror fan. Then she said, oh, is that a cross on the bracelet too? To that, I glanced down at the bracelet I wear made for me by the daughters of St. Paul, and I said, yes, the bracelet was actually made by some Roman Catholic nuns up in Massachusetts. Well, that had done it. Just enough information shared to really confuse this innocent Publix employee. So all she really had left to do was ask the big question, which she did instantly. What does all that mean? At this point, I certainly didn't expect a perfectly normal person to ever be able to figure out why a fairly normal-looking guy with short hair, no piercings, and no tattoos would be wearing a bracelet with black beads, ivory-colored skulls, and crosses on it, which were apparently made by nuns. And because I wasn't fully prepared in that moment in Publix after I'd collected milk and bread and everything my wife had told me to give an easy-to-understand answer, I just blurted out the first thing that was in my mind at that moment. I said, well, the bracelet was actually made for me to wear to remind me every time I look at it that one day I'm going to die. And with that, the sweet, inquisitive cashier just looked at me with an even more confused look and said, your total comes to 54.80, sir. Do you have any coupons? Yes. I just smiled. I ran my card through the machine as quickly as I could. I took my receipt and I pushed my cart through the door and onto the sidewalk. I think I heard her say with a very confused voice as I rolled towards the door, uh, you have a nice day. Now, <laughs> I suppose if I'd not had a line of folks standing behind me waiting to get their bread and milk paid for so they could go home, I might have been able to think of a better way to explain something about the Christian idea of memento mori, which is why, as I'm sure many of you know, I wear this strange bracelet in the first place, though I'm quite confident throwing Latin at her would have only made it a little bit worse. The truth is, I really do wear this bracelet almost every day to remind me that I am a human being, and any day now something could happen and I could die. I don't really want that to be soon, I'd be very happy for it to be another 46 years from now, but regardless of when, it will eventually happen to me. And the truth is, 
As much as many of us do not ever want to think about our death, it is a simple fact for us all. Death is imminent for all of us from the moment we come into this world. We are born, we live our lives, and then we die. No matter how great our technology may become, no matter how many advances we have in medicine and in science, no matter how many safety classes we take, or how many emergency first aid kits and bottles we keep in our hurricane survival kit. There's just no way around it. One of these days, unless Jesus comes back beforehand, we will all die. Of course, had I said that to the cashier in Publix, it certainly would not have helped. She'd probably just think what many of you might be thinking right now, that you'd have to be just a little bit morbid to want to remind yourself of your impending death by wearing a bracelet with skulls on it. But that's just it. Christians for centuries never remember their impending death because they're morbid or they're morose. We remember our death because we know death does not ultimately win its ever-present battle against us. Death will overtake us. But we know that in the end, we will have a life that will be eternal. That death itself, in the end, will die. And that all of us who believe will have eternal life. And we know that because of what happened 2,000 years ago on this Friday, the very first Good Friday, that's why we can believe and say that. It was on the first Good Friday, as we just heard again in the Passion narrative from St. John's Gospel, that someone else long before us made that journey through death. And in fact, as we're reminded in that sad story, he didn't just die from a heart attack or from old age or from natural causes or from an accident. He suffered tremendously at the hands of those in authority who were supposed to be upholding justice. This man was beaten, he was whipped, he was insulted, shamed, and then he was forced to carry a heavy wooden cross on which he would be nailed and suffer even longer until he finally died in pain and hurt. Jesus of Nazareth was that man. And as we know today, He was a man who'd done nothing to deserve this excruciating pain and sorrow. And yet Jesus stood there and he took all that sin and he took all that evil that was thrown at him on that first Friday in order to take it all the way to death itself. One who did not deserve it took it fully upon himself from those who did, those who were sinners. And he did it in order to die in the place of those that no matter what they did, he still loved tremendously and unconditionally. And he endured it all so that there would never be any death that any of us could ever possibly face that Jesus himself had not already walked through and endured. No death that Jesus has not touched already. Certainly on that first Friday when darkness fell across the sky and the veil of the, inside the temple was torn in half, 
evil, sin, and death thought they'd won the day. The God-man, Jesus Christ, was dead on that cross. If only they'd played, paid closer attention to what God had done for his beloved creation to save it when he allowed his own son to take all that sin and evil upon himself and die for others. Evil, sin, and death certainly found out on Holy Saturday when Jesus suddenly appeared at the gates of hell itself, tore down that chain door, crushed the devil, and released those who'd waited for so long for that glorious moment. And evil, death, and sin certainly found out early on Sunday morning when the stone rolled by Joseph Arimathea over the tomb in a garden suddenly burst open and the physical body of Jesus destroyed death once and for all and walked out in the Easter sunshine. And brothers and sisters, that's really why I wear my bracelet of skulls and crosses, to not just remember my own death like some stoic, but to remember the far more important death that occurred on a Good Friday 2,000 years ago. And because of that death, made for you and for me and for the washing away of the sins of the whole world, we never have to fear death again because death itself through the love of God and the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ will lose that final battle. As that great Anglican priest and poet John Donne wrote in his holy sonnets, which I always think about every single Good Friday, death, brothers and sisters, is now just one short sleep. And one short sleep past, we will wake eternally, and death shall be no more. Death, thou shalt die. I wished I'd had the time to tell that story, that sweet little cashier at Publix who made the mistake of asking me about my strange bracelet. I'm praying this afternoon that maybe on this Good Friday, right now she's at her own church. Maybe she's staring up at the crucified Lord. She's hearing that story of the passion. And maybe this time she's thinking of her own death and how death no longer has dominion over any of us who are brave enough to follow Jesus Christ. Here again what the writer of the epistle to the Hebrews proclaims for all of us on Good Friday. Therefore, my friends, since we have confidence to enter the sanctuary by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain, that is, through his flesh, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us approach with a true heart and full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast to the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who has promised is faithful. And let us consider how to provoke one another to love and to good deeds, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching.
This day is always a good Friday. Thanks be to God.